Detroit is Different is where you get information, artistry, history, music, and even comedy. Detroit is Different, a home for the culture of Detroit. Visit online at DetroitIsDifferent.com today. What up, though? This is Sterling Toes with another episode of Detroit is Different, and I am here with one of my very, very, very dear friends and one of my favorite, most favorite uh, artists, creatives in the city of Detroit, Keswa. What is up? Hey. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. So what's going on? How you doing today? I'm good. I just got off work. You got off work? I did, yep. Yeah, how was the day at work? It was really good. It, it was, was good. cool, yeah. Yeah, the hair stuff? Mm, actually, it's just a number of things. I was running around. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, I have been thinking about interviewing Kess for this podcast for a very long time because she is one of those people that I really... Um, I just hear and I feel like she just has the thing. I always tell her she has the it. <laughs> like it's inexplainable. Some people just have that thing that there's a light that just emerges from them without trying or without much thought and a lot of times they don't realize it which I don't think you realize it all the time <laughs> <laughs> but you do and I'm so glad you have it and I wanted to bring her also because she just uh put out an EP right mm -hmm. um called Soften is it yeah yes can you tell us a little bit about the EP yeah so Soften um is a collection of songs that I wrote in 2017, um, I was working with a producer, Benjamin Hill, who goes by Askins. And at the time, I was like really, really feeling inspired to make something, just to make something. Mm -hmm. Like I never identified as an artist before. I always knew that I had, that I was a creative person and that I loved art. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I didn't think I was a singer really at the time mm. or a songwriter but I really wanted to like kind of create something like a, a tangible like representation of what I felt like my inner world was mm -hmm. and I was really really like interested in these Afrofuturist concepts and like just studying like sound and music and like um, black people's relationship to sound and music historically and spiritually. And so um, that inspired me to kind of write the songs in the way that I did. Mm -hmm. I also was like kind of coming out of a Buddhist practice. And so I was used to kind of like thinking about like words and the spoken word in the form of like mantra and repetition. Mm -hmm. So I like wrote the songs in the form of mantra and repetition because I was at such a vulnerable position mm -hmm. as like an emerging artist um, coming from a place where like I, I wasn't making any art at all. Nobody knew that I was interested in singing. Nobody knew that I was interested in making music and then like making this music that felt really deeply personal and like mm -hmm. really 
unique to my own experience and upbringing and like personal tastes. So I was writing to like kind of affirm myself through that process. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, just kind of. Yeah. So what was the moment where you were like, okay, I need to do this. Do you remember that? I do remember that. that I probably called you. (laughs) Did you? (laughs) I probably did. I just got fired from my job. There was a period of time where I was just like, um, like me and jobs just weren't working out. Mm -hmm. And it was always some kind of like weird you know, justification, like, oh, we had to let somebody go, or, you know, um, your schedule doesn't work out. And, like, I was used to kind of having two, three jobs at a time. Mm-hmm. So for me, I felt like really, it just kind of like, I feel like the the ground was like being pulled out from underneath me, and I needed to like just put my energy and focus into something that I felt like really inspired by because Mm -hmm. um this like traditional idea of what fulfillment could look like Mm -hmm. was like rooted in material things and like Mm -hmm. this american dream kind of idea i have immigrant parents Mm -hmm. so you know a lot of that comes from just like my upbringing but as a first generation like nigerian american person Mm -hmm. You know, in Detroit, Michigan, like in 2020, mm-hmm. you kind of have to define things for yourself mm-hmm. and come into yourself. And like for me personally, I felt the need to be um, attuned to like what my own personal and individual needs were. And that's kind of where the music came in, because I love music so much. Mm-hmm. I love discovering new music. I love to listening. I love listening to music across different genres and like kind of just sharing that experience with other people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so um, I just kind of brought all of my like musical like tastes and mm-hmm. everything together. So what are some of those? Things? Well, so definitely grew up listening to a lot of hip hop, mm-hmm. a lot of traditional um, Nigerian like gospel music soul music um Mm r&b and electronic music Mm -hmm. so who are some of those artists though that that really i know because i feel like a lot of people they typically have like an artist or two Mm -hmm. that especially when they get started they may kind of even like model what they do a little bit after or just kind of pull inspiration from or you know like use them as a reference point even sometimes and that could be like a a collection of a few Mm -hmm. uh different artists that they do that with and kind of come up with their own thing you Mm -hmm. know so who are some of those artists you really look to and maybe like really uh that really kind of informed okay i want to move in this direction Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know it's so interesting because when i was making the project I did not have any idea what I was doing. Mm-hmm. I had no idea what it was going to sound like. I was really being led by a feeling. Like every I was super super involved. Um I would say that I was a co-producer. Mm-hmm. Um because, you know, down to like the sound of the kick, mm-hmm. down to, you know, the chords and the road sample or like, you know, just the textures and sound effects that were like being arranged in each track. Mm-hmm. I was like super, super intentional about that because it Mm -hmm. was going to create the soundscape 
that would allow for my voice to enter. Mm-hmm. And um, my voice could only really enter the track if I felt moved by it at the time. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of moving away from that now because I want to make music that's less like um, vulnerable. I guess like Mm -hmm. I want to make something that I can share something that feels like more of like this is for us instead of like this is my little secret thing that I didn't Mm -hmm. think y'all was gonna hear Mm -hmm. and so um but at the time you know it was like this is my inner landscape that I'm trying to bring out so Mm -hmm. I was like really really like in the moment with it and I wasn't thinking about any other artists but I will say that there are like a number of artists who introduced me to different genres of music. Like mm-hmm. my introduction to electronic music was underground resistance mm-hmm. and DJ assault. And, mm-hmm. um, then like when it comes to hip hop, my introduction was Flipmo squad and like, mm-hmm. you know, um, Wu Tang and even Lauren Hill. Like I had, you know, this very nineties mm-hmm. hip hop upbringing, mm-hmm. um, R and B, was definitely you know girl groups like destiny's child tlc mm-hmm. um janet jackson soul was like anita baker mm-hmm. and al green and um my mom listened to a lot of johnny cash and like Dolly mm-hmm. parton mm-hmm. so i just had all these kind of different influences mm-hmm. and then like on the nigerian side of things um fela mm-hmm. um okba like there were like a lot of just like super super like raw like african mm-hmm. um gospel tracks where you don't even really like when you hear it, you don't assume that it's like they're singing about jesus mm-hmm. because there's just so many drums and like you know people singing and right. like it was just i don't know mm-hmm. it was very interesting but so i wasn't i have this like weird process now i'm kind of looking to different artists to kind of inform me about like song structure and Mm -hmm. you know i I didn't really have that like kind of introduction to making music where it Mm -hmm. was like i understand what a hook is i understand you know all these things i just was going off pure feeling Mm -hmm. now that i had that experience of making something that comes like purely from inside and like just like emotion Mm -hmm. um i'm able to kind of look back and be like okay Mm -hmm. that was really cool i want to like be more intentional through the process i want to like you know especially Mm -hmm. now that i'm um, intending to like produce myself moving forward and mm-hmm. like be more selective of you know who I invite into the process mm-hmm. so you know in order to do that I have to be able to like tell people <laughs> yeah. what I want to do yeah so who are some of those people that kind of inform you uh or instruct you know, instruct you but like kind of just uh expose you to like various ways of doing things mm-hmm. who are those people that you kind of You know, I've actually been listening to a lot of jazz lately. Mm -hmm. I've been listening to a lot of um, Donald Byrd, Bobby Humphreys. I've been listening to Soul, so I've definitely, you know, returned to, like, Al Green, Angie Mm -hmm. Stone. Just, like, really trying to understand how to, like, communicate a feeling through Mm -hmm. music because Mm -hmm. I feel like that's really important, and I feel like we are kind of in a time where like music is being like produced for mass consumption and like Mm -hmm. the goal is to make a lot of stuff and like just always be producing things Mm -hmm. and sometimes i feel like the artistry and the creativity um kind of suffers and 
that's what I enjoy most about music is like yeah. being able to like enter into an artist's world and like mm -hmm. have that experience and um, just feel like the artist believes in what they're mm -hmm. what they're sharing. Yeah. So you were saying like this time you feel like you're gonna be creating music where it's like an us kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Do you have any ideas of like what that would sound like or how that might contrast to what sonically to what you you did previously? Yeah, so I have definitely been thinking about um, just being, having more um, or clearly communicating those influences that I mentioned before in my music. So like having like there be a clear hip hop influence in the way that I produce the tracks and maybe mm -hmm. even like sampling because um, we used a lot of samples on softening mm -hmm. of like just, you know, different drums and things mm -hmm. and like um, instruments. Mm -hmm. But the way that it was arranged um it was like in a more experimental way right and so i've been just kind of thinking about like what kind of song structures like resonate with me mm -hmm. and thinking about like what i have to say mm -hmm. what it is that i want to communicate and like what i want to share thinking about music making from a performance standpoint because when i was making soft and i wasn't really thinking about performing it mm -hmm. at all right. <laughs> i wasn't thinking about like singing it i really just wanted to make something mm -hmm. and now that i've been performing for two years i kind of have this understanding of like who i am mm -hmm. on a stage and like how i want to connect with an audience and mm -hmm. like if i was going to see a performance like what kind of experience would i like to have and mm -hmm. like you know even just thinking about like what kind of music like makes me move what kind of music makes my body move without even having to think about it right right so that's kind of that's kind of what i'm thinking about um moving forward yeah so what has your evolution been like live like mm -hmm. on stage for you like where did you start and where do you feel like you are now yeah <laughs> so um when i started performing i was like extremely nervous uh -huh. i was so like reserved I'm very critical of myself on stage because I hold performers to such a high esteem. Uh -huh. I think it's just, you know, in my head, it's something that like, you know, you have to be a certain kind of person to get on mm -hmm. stage in front of like, you know, even just 50 people and like um, share, you mm -hmm. know. Mm -hmm. Now that I've seen that people are gen generally like kind of, uh, gracious with performers and mm -hmm. like encouraging of people who get on the stage it makes me think um, it made me start to think about like how I could like incorporate more of myself like without holding back as much mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so I went from performing with um, a scans who would like do some triggering of like the songs and mm -hmm. play bass mm -hmm to doing like vocal to track performances for a year. So I'll pretty much just, you know, have the instrumental and just be singing on stage, right. which was a rough time. <laughs> it was a rough time. How is it a rough time? Um, because for me personally, mm -hmm. I love being able to kind of like bounce off of another person right. energetically right. and be in the moment. One thing that I love about like live instrumentation is that like I can lead. And mm -hmm. so, like, if I want to drag out a phrase, if I'm feeling like, you know, I'm really feeling this this lyric mm -hmm. and I want to, like, do some type of embellishment, right. I can go ahead and do that. And, like, it will 
the whoever I'm performing with will have that understanding and they'll follow me and then it can be like a an experience that's harmonious. But when you're performing to a track, it's very, very rigid and very structured. Right. And so you might not have that space to like, you know, do the things that you want to do if you didn't create that space in the track, mm-hmm. which I didn't, you know, starting <laughs> out. Uh-huh. Um, but now... I've been performing with my good friend, Nova Zai. He's from Chicago. Uh And he's a drummer and electronic music producer. Mm -hmm. And he triggers samples on on the stage. And, like, we just kind of, like, I don't know, we vibe. We have a similar creative vision. Right. And he's really, really passionate about making music Mm -hmm. from a, a place of, like, just healing and, like, being intentional right right so let's let's go back a little bit so Mm -hmm. uh when you were a kid of immigrant parents in school where did you go to school again um so when i was living on the east side we were i was at dove academy Mm -hmm. and then where is that it was on the east side they moved okay you know charter schools yeah (laughs) um but um then we moved to Southfield, mm-hmm. and um, I went to Bernie Middle School okay. and graduated from Southfield Aether High School. Uh-huh. So where was, what were those music outlets for you? Was it watching videos? How were you exposed to music as a kid? Especially, and not and not like the traditional stuff that was in the household, but mm-hmm. how were you exposed to the flip modes and, and like the, you know, the, the things that your parents weren't necessarily yeah. going to give to you? Well... Flip mode, like hit my brother introduced me to hip hop at mm-hmm. a very um young age because he was the one that was responsible for taking me and my younger sister to school. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, he was like he was super into like uh listening to his music really loud, probably too loud. <laughs> and like, you know, driving with the seat all the way back, like uh, just, you know, drag race. How much older thing. was he? Um, he I wanna say he's like thirteen years older than me. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And so um, he was my introduction to it. And he just listened to a lot of like super like East Coast, <laughs> super East Coast hip hop. Uh-huh. This is what, like the late 90s? Late 90s, okay. yeah. Uh-huh. Um, even early 2000s. Okay. And and he was my introduction to Outkast, who uh, like plays a huge role in just like my creative vision mm-hmm. or my artistic vision. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... When I moved to Southfield, I just started to like kind of become, kind of just refine my taste in my own way, like mm-hmm. some, and be introduced to artists that um, I felt like were more contemporary. And mm-hmm. and where were they at? Were they at on, on BT or videos? Was it the radio? Everything, everywhere, everywhere, uh, like YouTube, uh-huh. VH1, BT. Yeah, yeah. Um, I watched a lot of VH1 Soul. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember, yeah. <laughs> um, and I had my, like, pop, yeah. you know, like, rock kind of stage. Uh-huh. Um, I wouldn't call it a stage, actually, because those people could really sing. Right. <laughs> Who really are some sing. of those people? Um, Haley Williams from Paramore. Mm-hmm. I remember listening to a lot of her. Um, Evanescence, mm-hmm. you know, just like vocalists mm-hmm. from like different cultures. Mm-hmm. But at the time, I didn't really think that, you know, I was listening from that place, but that's what attracted me. It was mm-hmm. like just their uh, skill, 
like her skill mm-hmm. level. And so when I was in high school, I was listening to like I was really really into Lupe Fiasco. Who are you? I was, <laughs> I was like, oh my god! And to this day, uh, I, I love when like a rapper uh, is telling a story can like right, right. you know really paint a picture, uh-huh. and he does such an amazing job at doing that. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. So. So those years, did you feel like any inclination that you would be doing music at some point, or did you just feel like I just love this? And my yeah. parents wanted me to be a pharmacist, <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, okay, I'm gonna go to Wayne State. I'm gonna be a pharmacist. Uh-huh. And um, when I got to college, uh-huh. so Southfield Lathrop is like kind of like a performing arts. It is a performing arts high school, but I didn't. Um, really participate in a lot of the like arts activities or I didn't really utilize all of the resources right and so outside of just you know random electives and things mm-hmm. like that and um, when I got to college you know all of my friends they were doing that they were like you know mm-hmm. dancing and singing and like stuff mm-hmm. and I felt like they had hobbies that they carried with them into mm-hmm. like you know the university and mm-hmm. they were still like um kind of just they just had had things to do and I didn't have things to do uh-huh. and I was like wow I like spent a little bit of time reflecting thinking about like what did what do I actually like like what right. you know what would I want to do where can I begin to like you know develop hobbies and the only thing that I kind of took away from that reflection was that I really enjoy listening to music mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so in my head I was like well maybe I could DJ maybe I could like you know just like take this massive music collection that I have and like curate it and share it with people people seem to enjoy like when Mm -hmm. i play music or like you know listening to things that i may have found Mm -hmm. and um from there i like attempted to like you know produce very very early Mm -hmm. and it was such a learning curve that Mm -hmm. i ended up somehow and um like attempting to sing Mm -hmm. and then so did you feel like, like, did you ever, like, sing along to stuff when you were younger and, and think, I don't sound that bad? Or, like, did you know Man. you could sing? Or was it just, like, I'm just going to try this? Like, did you have a feeling that this was something that you could do? Or where were you at? I really, that was the first thing I ever wanted to be. Like, when mm. someone asks you, you know, when you're younger, what do you want to be when you grow up? Mm initially I didn't have a response like mm-hmm. I was like I don't know it's like such a you know big question mm-hmm. I'm seven like I don't <laughs> I don't even know what's out there what's possible mm-hmm. um and I remember watching tv mm-hmm. and I like in the 90s there were just so many like beautiful black women singing together and it just looked like they were enjoying themselves and I was like wow I want to do that and so you know I have like I have three sisters and I had like a lot of cousins mm-hmm. so I would try and sing with my sister and my cousin mm-hmm. and like I had no idea what I was doing but I just enjoyed it mm-hmm. and um I remember I think in my like preteen years mm-hmm. considering it seriously but I didn't really think that there was there was a possibility mm-hmm. nothing there was no there was no nurturing around that for me and my environment mm-hmm. um I also didn't really see a lot of women that looked like me Mm-hmm. you know kind mm-hmm. of making music or you know being really successful in the music industry mm-hmm. and um so I just kind of let it go and I didn't really think that much about it until 
it just fell into my lap kind of mm-hmm. um, during my reflection, like thinking about like, well, what can I do with music? It was in, and, and it just felt like so, so like irrational. Like, why would I sing? Like, I can't sing. Yeah, how did, how did it fall into your lap? <laughs> so I remember, um, making this one track that actually played at the sound house that one time uh-huh. that I was there. Uh-huh. And it was my interpretation of like a techno track. I remember it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there was no song, there was no structure. It wasn't like every eight bars, something's like being introduced. It was just very like free form. And at the time, like my understanding of like production and arrangement was like really limited, but I knew that something was missing. Mm. And so I was like, maybe it's vocals. And Mm. um, I reached out to, some friends and you know I couldn't find anybody to sing on it Mm -hmm. I was like maybe I'll try and like you know like sample my voice or do something Mm -hmm. and then someone connected me to a vocal coach who like asked me like very very quickly to just sing back up for her Mm -hmm. because at the time she was uh, she was teaching Mm -hmm vocal performance stuff but mm-hmm. she wasn't performing as an artist and so she was going to be like re-emerging as an artist mm-hmm. and she kind of needed that support on stage right and um and then i don't know like i just felt like it just felt like there was so much work for me to do around my voice mm-hmm. and like my relationship to my voice so i took it very seriously i still take it very seriously like i want to mm-hmm. be the best singer that i can be and like the way that I define that has changed so much over time Mm -hmm. because before it was about having a voice that was perfect or like, you know, having a voice, being able to do all these things. And now Mm -hmm. it's more so like being really earnest and like being able to be a passionate singer. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. I took like years to kind of even, you know, reframe. Mm -hmm. I think when I was growing up, um, an obstacle or like just something that blocked me from attempting to sing was that I have like, uh, I don't have a pop music voice. <laughs> My voice is like kind of thick and um, I've been told that I have a darker tone and a really? warm tone. Yeah, really? That's what, you know, that's what people say. Okay. I'm yeah. cool with that. I'm cool with it. <laughs> um, because, you know, a lot of my favorite vocalists, like Anthony Hamilton is one of my favorite vocalists. Uh-huh. Um, Anita Baker, Layla Hathaway, like they have these really rich mm-hmm. tones mm-hmm. and um, warm tones. And so, you know, at the time, like, I was thinking, like, oh, the, like, you know, the best vocalists, like, you know, can sing really high and do all these fluttery things. And, mm-hmm. you know, I can't do that. I can never do that. People who can do that just know how to do that from birth. Mm-hmm. Um, so there were, like, a lot of things that kind of got in the way. But it was something that I always wanted to do secretly. Mm-hmm. And so I would even go as far as, like, recording my voice in my phone, like, singing in the shower quietly. <laughs> and people just started kind of picking up on it. Like, people, right. you know, my roommate. Um, in college, my best friend from mm-hmm. high school, and everybody was so supportive and encouraging. Mm-hmm. And like, why don't you just sing? Why don't you just, you know, mm-hmm. try? Yeah. So, so let's go, let's go back to when I met you, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was at it was at Pyramid of Sound. Mm-hmm. You remember? remember? And I was with a friend of mine, um, and. It's funny because I I had seen you a few times like at stuff there or just around. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I at that point I had no idea that you even sang, but there's always people on the scene that like every ever so often you'll get a person that you can tell is a little bit more hyper curious than a lot of other people on the scene. It's mm-hmm. like they want to know everything. They want to, you know, like they, 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 you can just tell that some people are just there to be seen and, mm-hmm. and to schmooze or mm-hmm. to like be social. Mm-hmm. And then you could tell other people are there to like really learn and like really grow and really kind of connect mm-hmm. to things that help them along their journey you mm-hmm. know like they're mining for for susten sustenance in the community you know what i'm saying and you felt yeah. like one of those people um around that time like where where was your relationship you feel to to the scene or like what would or also like what was your entrance into the scene you know mm-hmm. um i was a student at wayne state and I just have a love for art and music. Mm-hmm. I would just go with friends, hang out with friends. Mm-hmm. And I'm always like, I'm the kind of person who can go to a place by themselves if mm-hmm. I'm enjoying what's happening. Mm-hmm. And so um, I remember, I think I was at Detroit Vegan Soul or something. And mm-hmm. I saw a Pyramida. Um, I drove past it and... Mm-hmm. I think I was just I just loved like the feeling of West Village and so mm-hmm. it was like let me just see you know what's <laughs> over there mm-hmm. and I walked in there I think Andre was the first person I met mm-hmm. from Paramita and like I was just like what is this place like, <laughs> <laughs> like what do you what do they do I see that they have records like right. you know it's just this very like cute house in Mm -hmm. this like neighborhood where there isn't really a lot of development happening just Mm -hmm. yet at Mm -hmm. that time right and um you know i love music and i love discovering music so i would just come back and then he eventually told me about like the first friday of every month Mm -hmm. and the beat profile i was like what like i want to see what that's you know about so i would just come yeah and um there was always just like good music and Mm -hmm. like you know, I would buy records. He would, you know, put me on to different records and mm-hmm. tell me about new stuff that came in. So I just enjoyed being in the space yeah. because, you know, there aren't really a lot of um, spaces like that for mm-hmm. young, like, people who like music in Detroit. Like, yeah. not yeah. catered specifically to that right. particular group. There are lots of great record shops in the city, mm-hmm. but um, I don't know a lot of them that have, like, producer showcases or... Right. You know, like just mm-hmm. even like social gatherings, and right. so um, it was it was hidden, especially in the summertime. Like you mm-hmm. know, you just be there hanging out, people mm-hmm. playing records, mm-hmm. meet people, right? Uh, and then uh, yeah, that's how we met. And so, when did you feel like was your coming our out party as an artist on on the <laughs> out party on scene? Like you know, because now people I think identify you as a person that creates now you know what i'm saying like people know who you are so yeah what do you feel like was that moment where it's like you went from being like somebody that was just kind of like a you know present on the scene to somebody that like now is regarded as a creative on on the scene i think it was um this video seven showcase 
in I want to say it was 2018 mm-hmm. Ale Club mm-hmm. Brendan Asante I, yeah Asante mm-hmm. um, I, I had just recorded Contemplate that was like the first song that mm-hmm. I finished on mm-hmm. the EP mm-hmm. and I played it for him mm-hmm. and got a good response from him and he was like we're doing this showcase mm-hmm. um, series and we want to like kind of you know, create space for other local artists outside of Video 7 to, like, perform and connect and stuff. And mm-hmm. so he asked me. I was really honored because I don't think that I had ever played in a venue mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. And um, one thing that's important to me as a performer is, like, I need the the space to create my space. And mm-hmm. so I was able to do that for the first time mm-hmm. and be really intentional about mm-hmm. lighting and, like, costume mm-hmm. and um, had a projection for the first time mm-hmm. and it was just really cool to like kind of have this that it felt like a coming out mm-hmm. let's let's play can we play a little bit of, of yeah, contemplate let's play that. a little bit of contemplate
So, so how did that come together? <sighs> um. So I met a scans. Mm-hmm. Want to say like fall of 2017. Mm-hmm. I was introduced to him through my friend Brian Oscar, who is just like an interdisciplinary artist. Mm-hmm. They were neighbors. Mm-hmm. I was telling Brian that I wanted to like just give music like a real try like mm-hmm. i wanted to just put all my effort energy into <laughs> it um and really really actually like make something brian had been trying to like get me to sing for a long time <laughs> he'd been encouraging me you know always putting a microphone in my hand because um, he's always making things and recording things right. and just like being a creative person and he was like, oh, okay, sure. Like, you know, and I was like, yeah, I want to like, I want to make some house music. I want to like make this and that. And uh-huh. um, in my head, I was like, I want to make house music, but I knew that there were going to be other elements because I was like feeling really fired up about like, you know, kind of like being experimental about it. Mm-hmm. And so um we're walking, you know, after I like dumped all of this onto him, <laughs> I'm walking out of his place with him. And in my head, I'm like, yeah, like, you know, I don't know what's going to happen, but I do know that I'm going to make, you know, an EP. Mm-hmm. And I'm walking towards the door to leave. Mm-hmm. I reach for the doorknob. The door swings open and a scans is like standing there with mm-hmm. his bicycle. Mm-hmm. And then Brian's behind me. He's like, Oh, y'all need to make music. Oh, like, you know, and I'm like, okay, like, sure. So, you know, um, I had been like kind of, at the time, I didn't really think that what I was doing was like conceptualizing the project. Mm -hmm. But for like two years, you know, as I mentioned before, I had been like kind of just sitting with like how Afrofuturism made me feel mm-hmm. and like um I was I had been reading this book called The Mysticism of Sound and Music mm-hmm. um written by this um I want to say he's like a, a Sufi priest mm-hmm. um so it's like a collection of talks that he did mm-hmm. that were transcribed mm-hmm. and I was just feeling like you know very very like specific and pointed about like what my intention was with the music mm-hmm. and I was like, this is what I want to do. You know, I want to make music that includes these elements. You know, I've been thinking about this type of like structure for songwriting. Mm -hmm. And he was like, oh, yeah, I've been like wanting to make some stuff like that. Um, You know, and from there, like we we set a date to when we were going to meet. And I want to say like maybe the first day was us just kind of establishing a language to Mm -hmm. understand each other. So we would, you know, say a lot of things that, like, didn't necessarily make sense, but, like, that we understood amongst mm-hmm. ourselves. Mm-hmm. And um, Contemplate, we recorded probably within, like, a week or two weeks. Mm-hmm. Like, he had all of these uh, loops and samples that he had been arranging and um, collecting for, you know, for a long time. Mm-hmm. And he would just play me these really short loops and we would build them out together. Mm-hmm. And then he would pull out his bass and he was just learning how to play. Mm-hmm. And so he would, you know, kind of plunk out a bass line and I would write, you know, a mantra and um, kind of mess around with like a melody. Mm-hmm. And we had an SP 404. He had an SP 404. Okay. 
So I would record into that and like just kind of mess around with like effects and um, rhythms and yeah, like mm-hmm. we just, it was just really wild. Like mm-hmm. he had a lot of, he had so much equipment, he had mm-hmm. so much stuff. So we just had a lot to work with. Mm-hmm. And he already, you know, he had a, a flow that he was comfortable with. Mm-hmm. And I was, like, new mm-hmm. to just even creating. So it was mm-hmm. easy for me to kind of, like, navigate what he was right. doing because I was, like, developing my own thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, like, maybe a, a week. And um, when I told him that I wanted to write in the form of, like, mantra and call and response because I was, like, also inspired by traditional nigerian like gospel music song structure and mm-hmm. there's this like you know the the main vocalist is singing something and then the chorus is like kind of doing a call and response mm-hmm. and sometimes it can be like super repetitive or mm-hmm. sometimes you know it can just be like an answer to a question mm-hmm. and so i was um you know thinking about like what is it that I want? To, how do I want to respond to myself, or mm-hmm. how do I want to, you know, like guide myself through the through the song and through the soundscape? Mm-hmm. He was like, "Yeah, you should like, you know, punctuate it like this. Or you should like, you know." Mm-hmm. So, about uh, how long did it take to like do that EP, like record that EP? I feel like it took about three months okay. to record it, mm-hmm. and then um, we just started performing it. Mm-hmm. Some songs took longer than others. I want to say that "Open" took the longest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We why, why did "Open" take the longest? "Open." Um, I feel like it took the longest because it was not just a really vulnerable song for me, but it was something that Askans also felt really emotionally connected to mm-hmm. that um, particular beat, mm-hmm. and so it just had to be there had to be a middle ground for the both of us mm-hmm. when we were kind of like thinking about what felt right mm-hmm. and we would go back to it. It started off with just like me like kind of singing in like a way that sounded like a siren mm-hmm. and he looped it and then he produced around that and mm-hmm. then he would like play bass and then I was writing different melodies and different like choruses and we were thinking about like what feeling we wanted to communicate and mm-hmm. like how we could do um, how we could produce my vocals to kind of reflect that. So, mm-hmm. like, even in the the chorus, when the <clears throat> when I'm saying "open up yourself" and then the cells kind of like ascend harmonically, mm-hmm. um, that was something that like you know didn't come immediately, but we mm-hmm. we definitely had to meditate on that. Mm-hmm. Let's listen to a little of it. Okay. Yeah. Open up, leave your doubt. 
<laughs> That's so beautiful. Thank you. Um Yeah, wow. So you were saying this stuff is very personal to you. Um how do you feel when you listen back to this stuff or perform this stuff? Hmm. That's definitely changed over time. It felt like it just felt really vulnerable because a lot of the things that I was writing about, I wrote to kind of affirm myself um, as the performer. And so open, like for me, is about wanting to be a singer, wanting to be an artist, mm-hmm. wanting to kind of like release all of these um, beliefs I had around why I couldn't do it based on who said what and who believed in what I could do and who, you know, told me that, you know, being an artist wasn't, like, a real career path. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Or that, you know, I just couldn't couldn't be an artist. Right. And I just felt really deeply inspired by music and the music that I wanted to make, and Mm. I had to release it and so I wasn't even really thinking so much consciously about it but when I would perform when I would sing even you know singing in front of a CN sometimes was like it felt vulnerable because we had just met mm-hmm. and I'm like singing these songs you know <laughs> writing these lyrics and I'm sure he didn't know what I was even talking about right. and what kind of you know what my inner world looked like and mm-hmm. who you know I was writing for and to and so like you know for open when i was saying how do i forgive how do i let live i want to breathe deeply and openly again as a singer you can only sing if you're like you know breathing Mm -hmm. and like you know releasing the tension from your body and Mm -hmm. like feeling comfortable and confident in your in your body and in yourself and sometimes that can be really difficult that can be a challenge Mm -hmm. so it was an affirmation for me to kind of release that and let go so that I can move on to the contemplate and the to find mm-hmm. and kind of just, you know, experience this journey with the audience instead of being like caught up in this mental anxiety about sharing or being perfect or knowing, you know, having all the answers. Mm-hmm. What did you feel like when it was done? felt so good <laughs> it felt so good it was like a, a feeling i remember when we finished 
to find. Right. I was just like, oh, that's it. <laughs> it's done. Mm-hmm. And there were some people who were like, oh, EP is five songs. Right. You got to do it like this. You got to do it like that. Tell Freddie Gibbs that. I know, right? <laughs> all these people that. <laughs> you know, everybody's like saying, you know, what you should and shouldn't do. I know the right. intentions are, you know, hopefully coming from a good place, but. Like, but see, let me tell you something. I think that is the difference, and and that's part of the it thing, is that, you know, though it's well-meaning, I feel like a lot of people, uh, a lot of people that are creative, still kind of embody a, a lot of standards just because mm-hmm. they think that's what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the artistry at its best, a lot of times, is people being able to embrace the changes that need to happen to express something authentically mm-hmm. that may cause a reworking of the standards mm-hmm. or exactly. destroying. Exactly. <laughs> we the create the standards right. as people who are right. creating and consuming. Yeah. So I don't want to, I mean, if I was gonna, you know, I would just, I would go work a nine to five mm-hmm. and do the other things yeah. that, you know, everybody feels like you have to do to, you know, mm-hmm. be happy if I was, you know, prioritizing the standard or the right. current structure as it exists. I don't really, um, I don't really see myself as the kind of artist that fits into that kind of structure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which also kind of like contributed to the anxiety that I was feeling and writing about in the beginning because so many people were, you know, trying to put me in this box. Mm-hmm. And what was the box? You, you, what'd you say? Um, pop music. Okay. Pop music. And why? Uh, why were they putting? You that's in the just pop their box? only frame of reference <laughs> for what a successful or fulfilled artist, you know, can look like, or yeah. you know how they can create. You have to make this. You have to perform in these places. You have to, you know be able to do whatever like mm-hmm. i'm not really motivated by those things so that's kind of a weird thing to me too right now because if you look at pop artists now the pop artists are the migos the yeah right like, so it's not even you know what I mean? like people that like aren't that completely aren't mm-hmm. the traditional idea mm-hmm. of drake you yeah. know what i mean like you know yeah so i mean even from just like a uh you know music like business and industry standpoint based Mm -hmm. on the information that I have been able to like kind of accumulate over, Mm -hmm. you know, the past two years, two, three years. Um, it's changing rapidly and the industries, you know, like the industry is like kind of like the wild, wild West basically like Mm -hmm. technology has advanced so rapidly that, the industry is trying to keep up with technology right. and, you know, the algorithm or like whatever. At this point, nobody really knows what's going on. Nobody mm. knows what, you know. So why even like, you know, be invested right. in trying to keep up with that when you could just make good stuff mm-hmm. and share it with people and, you know, just maintain that integrity. There are a lot of people I feel like who are trying to chase an algorithm or like a standard and mm-hmm. sacrificing their like creativity. And I feel like the creativity is what makes you who you are and what mm-hmm. makes people interested in wanting to, you know, see what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So look, so <laughs> I, I feel like I, I, I so want to tell this story. Um, so okay. we had the fortune of, of being able to work together. Mm-hmm. And it's so crazy how it came about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So for people listening or watching, um, so this is so crazy. So Cass, as she said, you know, was kind of like, part of this this the scene of people that kind of would converge at Pyramida often and I would see uh Cass and for a while it's like we would talk and it was love but like we we really hadn't had much time to build and I was finishing up an album uh with my my little brother Bodie James and I was working on the last song on the record and it was crazy because uh, I thought I was about done, and I had a friend of mine say, "I hear voices in the in the beat. Like, where are the voices from?" I'm like, "It's no voices in there. Like, it's voices in there. Like, it's no voices in there. Like, it's voices in there." I'm like, "No, it's not." I'm like, yes, it is. And I'm, so I started going, "Damn, who would I have on this if there were voices in this?" You know. And the first person I thought of was you. Like, Cass uh, would be amazing, but. Because, like, I function in a way that's, like, so non-exploitive and so, like, you know, uh, (laughs) non-capitalizing a lot of times, I was like, it was just a thought. Like, I wasn't going to pursue it just because it's like I usually give time for the development of my relationships with people to get to a place of, like, you know, just, just love, trust, understanding, whatever. So I was like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna ask because I don't want to just come on and be like a person. Hey, I want you to do this, you mm-hmm. know. So I wasn't gonna. Literally the next day. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> Wild. You call me, you're like, can I come over? And I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> oh man. So the funny thing was, I still wasn't going to say anything to yeah. you. And so we're like sitting there talking. And you're like, so what you been working on? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, funny, you should ask. That's you so know? funny. And so I play it, and I'm still like, I'm not gonna ask her though. Like I'm not. And then we just sitting there quiet, and I'm like, you know, I heard you on this. <laughs> <laughs> you remember what you said? Like what? <laughs> Probably something like that. No, you what said I, I heard myself on it. Oh no. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds right. Right, right. So uh so I'm like, you wanna do it, so we do it. Right? And that was that. Now, at the time, you didn't necessarily realize because I didn't really play I might have muted his vocals mm-hmm. at that time when I was recording you, perhaps. Mm-hmm. So you didn't necessarily recognize what the song was. Mm-hmm originally so can you tell the people what was the song originally oh my god please oh my gosh it was uh, this song that um my friends and i used to listen to like a lot when i was i want to say 18 and i recognized it um and what was it with the black mag Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
was a song. You remember the, the, I don't remember the title. Getting flicked. Yeah. yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Man. What a song. An amazing song. Yeah. It felt so full circle because I just remember listening to it so much and like just like having these definitive memories of like happiness and like, mm-hmm. you know, just like camaraderie with my friends mm-hmm. in my adolescence and then like and it was like a moment that kind of also defined my musical taste right because you what you told me was it was one of those songs that that made you kind of want to do music yeah, right yeah so so imagine so we re- i record you yeah you come back and i play to you like a close to finished version of this song and you're like, why do those lyrics sound so familiar? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I'm like, I don't know, because I'm not thinking about it. Mm-hmm. So this song, Getting Flick, that she's referring to, uh, which actually appeared on a Cool Kids mixtape. I think it was Taco Box, maybe, oh, if, I'm, if, if I'm not mistaken. But it was the basically... The song that introduced Boldy James to the world, mm-hmm. which Boldy, like, is that's like my baby. Like, first place he ever recorded a song was at my house, mm-hmm. you know. And so that song was originally our song. And he was with his cousin, who's a genius, uh, Chuck English of the Cool Kids mm-hmm. in Chicago. And Chuck is like, you know, you got to let us <laughs> use this and he's like ah oh, but it's you know it's my song with my men or whatever he's like please so it ends up becoming getting flicked mm-hmm. so me and my all my turtleness has been like <laughs> slowly working on this this album forever still had the original version of it and it grew and evolved and ended up being a million musicians playing on this song ending with Kess playing on the song singing on the song and so we're sitting there and she's like ah like oh my god like this is this is it like this is getting flicked and I'm like yeah and I'm telling her like you are on the original version now <laughs> that's so wild of one of the songs that made you time traveling thing want to do music and that to me is like that is the serendipity serendipity that is the receipt of following your passion Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. the the infinite synchronicity of your purpose saying yep you're exactly where you're supposed to be Mm -hmm. in the universe you know yeah so yeah yeah man that's so wild. And then I remember telling my friend mm-hmm. who introduced me to the song, who introduced me to the cool kids, right. that I was on the original version. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, what? It's <laughs> 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 so crazy. After a certain point, it's just like so much synchronicity. You just right. like don't even know how to be surprised anymore. Right. You Because know? it's just, it feels so like specific to you and your journey. And yeah. like, it's it's always like really rewarding and it just feels like such a blessing to mm-hmm. experience like i who like i don't even at the time when i was listening to getting flicked like mm-hmm. i didn't even understand 
like its connection to like Detroit music mm-hmm. and like just the degrees of separation that I would eventually have to the artist who right. you know wrote the line and you know a lot of times like I don't really know you know a lot of things about like people's relationships to each other I'm mm-hmm. just like following my heart and my mind right. and kind of ending up in spaces with people who you know are really passionate about making music and I feel like like attracts like and then you have the reward of being able to come to that realization after the fact and mm-hmm. not have it kind of filter your experience or like the purity of your experience mm-hmm. so can you recall any other <laughs> m- moments of serendipity that you're like whoa oh in terms God. of music like so I, I mentioned earlier that my introduction to electronic music was underground resistance mm-hmm specifically the timeline record Mm -hmm. i remember being like had less than 10 Mm -hmm. and like sitting by the radio late at night and hearing this song with like this like super like interstellar like jazzy kind of feel and Mm -hmm. just like my mind being blown and never finding out who made the song what the name of the song was Mm -hmm. until college and my roommate and I were talking about just Detroit electronic music and like our relationship to it one evening and we like were singing the melody to each other like we gotta find out you know like who made the record Mm -hmm. I think it took like five hours three three hours five (laughs) hours for us to like actually figure it out and when we found it out I was like okay underground resistance like let me you know like figure let me learn Mm -hmm. and so i learned you know pretty much like everything that i could find on the internet about underground resistance and Mm -hmm. um one thing that stood out to me was that you know they don't like to be photographed right so i never knew what they looked like Mm -hmm. i met your cousin Mm -hmm. at um a piper carter event right and we exchanged information and then i told you about it and you're like yeah you know like I want to connect you i'm in the studio with ben one day he texts me he says hey Cass, you know i've completely forgot that i'm doing this event at submerge mm-hmm. um it's you know going to be ending in an hour do you think you have any time to like come by mm-hmm. and i'm down the street so i'm like oh wow okay like let me you know mm-hmm. see what's happening go over there mm-hmm. and mike banks comes downstairs yeah and like i'm just like wow like this is this is so wild mike banks is here like i'm meeting the person who like you know influenced me to even make electronic music in the first place right and so we're just like walking around the museum and he's telling me about his grandkids and we're talking about africa and i think he just took a liking to me um because i was just listening and like you know, just trying to learn. Mm-hmm. And then um, he invited Ben and I t- into the studio upstairs and I asked him if I could play a track that I haven't released yet for him. Mm-hmm. And he really liked the track. And then he was just telling me that he hadn't been, you know, really excited about like new music coming out of Detroit in a long time, but mm-hmm. he felt like really excited about what I was making. Mm-hmm. And it was just such a full circle moment to hear this man who influenced me, who doesn't even know, Mm because I don't think I ever told him, you know, (laughs) um, that, like, 
he's impressed with what I've been able to create mm-hmm. and that he just wants to support me in what it is that I'm doing mm-hmm. and that I can, you know, come and and like utilize the space. Mm-hmm. I just did a performance there that you yeah. did at. Yeah, so your release. Yeah. Your release was at this place. Yeah, it was. <laughs> and it was just yeah. such a beautiful like, you know, just even putting myself in that position as a child by the radio listening to Timeline, mm-hmm. I could have never imagined that I would, for one, be singing, mm-hmm. two, be singing, you know, over electronic music or, you know, even making electronic music, and then three, singing electronic music in the Techno Museum, like, in Underground Resistance's, like, headquarters. Mm-hmm. It was such a full circle moment for me. Mm-hmm. And it just felt like so unique to like my journey and my mm-hmm. relationship to music. And it just felt like a gift. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you, man, people kept calling me about damn tickets <laughs> <laughs> for that show. I'm like, I don't have no tickets. <laughs> like, I wish that we had more man, room. It was I, it was a hot commodity that wow. ticket man like i'm like whoa this is serious wow. like people that don't call me for nothing <laughs> were calling me about trying to get into that show wow yes wow That's yeah amazing. you know so it's it's beautiful to see like there there are people that i think really really connect to what you're doing you know and it's you don't see a lot of artists here before the hype train happens that there are people listeners that are like I have to be there to see this person Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. like that's a very special thing you know Um, and, and you definitely have people that are in your corner like that, you know. Yeah, it's it's a beautiful thing that's being built, you know. So, what do you feel like is is next? Is it? Do you feel like you're? Are you are you recording new things? Are things coming together for a new project? Are you just kind of filling things out? Where are you at right now? I'm kind of taking things in right now and in that like taking in process building something that doesn't stem from like this childhood narrative Mm -hmm. because I feel like a lot of what I was making kind of came from this like desire to express repressed like childhood things you know Mm -hmm. wanting to like just be an individual and like identify you know Mm self-identify And I did that. I self-identified um, in a way that I just really fuck with. <laughs> and now that I'm just like, okay, like, yeah, this is who I am. This is what I'm doing. I want to continue to, like, make music in a way that feels authentic. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm taking my time to, like, really figure that out because mm-hmm. I want to be able to share in a way that I feel proud of. I want to be able to share in a way that feels like timeless or in a way Mm -hmm. that just feels like you Mm -hmm. can, you can continue to take from it. 
So do you feel, because I feel like a lot of artists feel this, like they release something and then they feel a lot of pressure to follow up. Do you feel any pressure to follow up or to like, you know, because too, like sometimes it's like, People want you to keep making the same thing that you yeah, made. Yeah, that's not also, happening. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I would just tell you now, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, what I really love the most about the artists that I listen to or follow the most is that they're always like discovering. They're always on a path of self-discovery. They're always exploring like music and listening to different things and creating different things and trying different things and that's what makes it exciting right i don't want to listen to an artist that's going to make the same song 50 60 mm. times yeah i feel like a lot of times too you set the rapport that you're going to have with your audience because mm -hmm. I, I think for example <laughs> I, I think about certain artists that might have made things in a particular way for a while mm -hmm. And then the the audience got mm -hmm. accustomed to it, mm -hmm. and then they decide to like go left, and the audience is like, "Oh, what yeah. are you doing?" Yeah. You know, and even like it's like actually, and people people are always like, "Man," but uh, Common's Electric Circus album is one of my favorite Common albums. <laughs> I think it's an incredible album. Yeah, but it was like he had four, like maybe three or four records before that where people got accustomed to yeah. like. Style. something that's identified as being like more traditional hip-hop mm -hmm. and then he does something he goes left and everybody's like no you yeah. know and it was like it was dope but yeah. it was like the audience that got comfortable with seeing him and hearing him a certain way you mm -hmm. know and then you have like artists like outcast that i think they were smart mm -hmm. because that second album they completely disrupted like what happened the first like everybody that was coming back for Southern Playalistic yeah. got a rude awakening, <laughs> <laughs> right? But then it was like, wait a minute, this is dope too. And then mm -hmm. it became like you be you began to expect the unexpected from yeah. them to where they had a pass to go all these different places yeah. creatively. So you saw Outkast as a group that was gonna take you somewhere mm -hmm. you didn't expect. Yeah. Every every time, yeah, you know, you don't get comfortable. You right. you're looking forward to, like I mean, look at we're all looking forward to like anything that like Andre 3000 or Big Boy like mm -hmm. releases because they just have like developed that rapport with us for yeah. putting out something that's of quality mm -hmm. um, and also something that is like an evolution of like an artistic vision. Right. So you also, you have a version of one of their songs, actually. I do. <laughs> I do. Yeah. And what song is that? Spody, Odie, Dopalicious. And how did that come about? But 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 it's yeah. not, so this is something that you just do live now, right? Yeah. 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 So, I love that But song. how did this version come about? So I knew that... Um, after about maybe a year and a half of performing, I felt like there was a disconnect. And this could just be like coming from my perspective as the person that's on the stage. Mm -hmm. I felt like I wanted to be more intentional about communicating the lineage I was pulling from or just like what world I was living in mm -hmm. and like who my musical like ancestors are. Right. And so... I started to think more about set design and like what that looks like and what that sounds like and how that can like carry the audience through 
a soundscape intentionally. Mm-hmm. I know that just the bluesy, you know, soulfulness of Outkast like has informed like just my creative spirit and vision. Mm-hmm. And um Spodiote Doublelicious is like one of my favorite songs of all time. Mm-hmm. Cuz that that was uh which that was on that was on Equiminot, right? Mm-hmm. So that was '98, I think. Mm-hmm. How old were you in '98? Don't worry about how old I was. <laughs> Shout out to my brother on the way to school. I was probably like in first grade. And the thing is, you know, I couldn't pronounce the title of that song, so yeah. I was just like, just play the song with yeah, the I horns. I still can't pronounce the, the title yeah. of that song. <laughs> yeah. But it was just such a moment. It's like you know, you have these moments if you if you you know listen to music, mm-hmm. um, if you're passionate about listening to music that are like definitive of your taste. Mm -hmm. I read some article somewhere that said like, there are moments in people's lives where like, they listen to a song that opens up a a world for them. Mm -hmm. And they kind of, you know, a lot of people don't really move beyond that moment. Right. So I'm always looking to move beyond that moment. I've had a few of those moments Mm -hmm. since then, since Mm -hmm. I was six, Mm -hmm. thankfully. Mm -hmm. But that moment, I just remember, being in the backseat of my brother's like Honda, whatever he had. <laughs> and, you know, he was um, really super like, he was just a creative, he was an artist, um, but he also like installed stuff in cars. So he had speakers and stuff in his car. And so it was just really loud. Like it was just super loud. Mm-hmm. And you just hear like this, like drum roll introduction. And then you just hear the bass line. Mm-hmm. And you hear some like kind of wah on the guitar and then you just hear Andre's voice coming through and it's got like some type of like reverb delay kind of thing on it. Mm. And then you hear the horns and you don't expect the horns to come (laughs) in. And so I'm like a child like going on this musical journey and then there's a story, you know, (laughs) like there's two stories. It's crazy. And so I was just like really like just like taken aback as a child and I always like listen to that song Mm. and um as a performer it just makes me comfortable like it's just like this is my shit you know like I want to I want to rap this song and I know you know we're on the same page if you can rap this song with me Mm -hmm. that's how I know and even if you can't like I'm still I just feel like very comfortable yeah and the, the craziest thing about you performing that song at Submerge for your release was that like I'm I'm 43, so I was I was 22 when that came out, yeah. <laughs> and I'm in a room full of 20-somethings <laughs> that were either in diapers, some of them not born yet, yeah. you know, yeah. that know all the words of this, and I'm like, whoa, like, <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> That's how you know it's good music, okay? Good yeah. music. Yeah, that song, like, I wish that I would have um earlier in my practice as a performer thought to like you know just incorporate songs that just made me feel comfortable Mm because I think I you know had this belief that I had to like sing all of my own songs and I I kind of I didn't really like create an intention and Mm -hmm. as time moved on I like kind of got more specific about what my intention was as a performer and it's Mm -hmm. just to kind of create this space to connect authentically with an audience musically and Mm -hmm. 
Like, how can I do that if y'all don't know what my favorite songs are? Right. Yeah, you see, like the 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 genetic code, you know, exactly. what's in the DNA of an artist. Like I was uh, like going back and forth with Kari about because uh, they just did the unsung on Christopher Williams, mm-hmm. you know. And some like just like looking at different stuff on YouTube or whatever, Christopher mm-hmm. Williams, and it's like I see in his set a lot. He does a lot of Teddy Pendergrass okay. songs, and it's like. He's the perfect person to, to like <laughs> yeah. to like do a few Teddy Pendergrass songs. I was like, it's 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 obvious, it's blaring. Like, wow, like that was a part of his genetic code, genetic code. creatively, you know. Because yeah. one thing about it is like it, it's a you know it's it's such a conversation. You know what I mean? Like even if you have people playing together, you know, like playing different instruments, there's still like a conversation mm-hmm. that's happening between all of those people playing. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, you know, music is us l- listening to music is basically us just listening to the documentation of a social conversation, mm-hmm. you know, in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. So, um, yeah, to like hear the breath of thoughts that came before you within the life of what you express is like, you know, like it, it makes complete sense, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. It's been so good talking to it's you. It's been great. <laughs> Has it been cool? Has it been your first? Is, is this your first podcast? It is my first podcast. Is it? <laughs> yeah, it is actually. I was like, so, because you know, uh, Kari's like been on me about doing this, so I'm like, okay, it's like let me start with the people that I love dearly. So hey. Bodie, Bodie, I just did Bodie. And, okay. And now you, which you two are tied in this yeah, whole project. Shout out to Bodie for getting flicked, man. <laughs> <laughs> what a record! It's awesome. You know, and and two, it is like there's actually some some other people that you kind of mentioned that I think may may be here soon too. Uh, so it would be dope. But um, but yeah, you know, like I'm so proud of you. Thank you. Um, you know, I I really the funny thing about it is. I don't think you fully understand, um, and 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 I, and I, uh, okay, I don't think you fully understand the brilliance uh, that you possess, um, and I think you're growing into like understanding that. But I truly believe that you possess something creatively that is as significant as significant can get, you know? And so I look forward to the development of that and the blossoming of that and hope to continue nurturing that (laughs) however I can continue nurturing that. Thank you, Sterling. That means a lot. Yeah, you mean a lot. Um, Anything else you want to say to the people? Um, Stream softer. (laughs) And just thank you for for having me. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being interested in my thoughts and my feelings and my taste. Mm -hmm. That means a lot to me. I'm super, I always try to be super intentional about anything that I do. And I just hope, you know, it's my, my hope and my wish as I grow as an artist to be able to continue to create on a larger scale in a way that makes room for other people to do the same thing. Hmm. Well said. Hmm. All right. So I am about to sign off. This is Detroit is different. Hmm. I am your host. One of your hosts, Sterling Coles. (laughs) 
and uh, saying goodbye with my baby Kessie. <laughs> I love you. Love you too. <laughs> and uh, peace, y'all. Detroit is Different is where you get information, artistry, history, music, and even comedy. Detroit is Different, a home for the culture of Detroit. Visit online at DetroitIsDifferent.com today.